1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Sean Kelly is a disabled combat veteran, motivational speaker and accomplished entrepreneur, probably best known in this country as the creator and star of the hit TV show Storage Hunters. And Sean is on the line with us here just now. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Toby. Thanks for having me today, man.
0: So I want to talk about Storage Hunters, first of all. How did that idea actually come about? Because it is quite a unique idea, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So um, so to be honest with you, I kind of fell into the idea. Mm. Uh, here's what happened. I was about to turn 40 years old. I am currently 53 now, but I was about to turn 40. Uh, I was working at a newspaper in San Diego as the sales development manager, kind of running the the advertising department. And I had been doing stand-up comedy at night. It was my hobby. Mm. And I'm about to turn 40. And as you do with a big birthday, I kind of look back at my life and I realized I had never taken one single step towards trying to accomplish my big life dream. Ever since I was a kid, I'd always dreamed of being on television. I wanted to have my own TV show. But here I am about to turn 40. I'd never done anything. I'd never been on an audition. I'd never done community theater. I had never, I didn't know anything about show business. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? What am I waiting for? So two days later, at my 40th birthday party, uh, I tell all my friends and family, hey, listen up, uh, I'm going to have my own TV show and it's going to be a worldwide hit. And my friends were super excited for me. They were like, dude, that's awesome. What what channel is it going to be on? I'm like, oh, I don't know yet. And they're like, yeah, okay, but what's it going to be called? I'm like, "Ah, I don't know the name. And they're like, but what's it about? I'm like, oh, I don't know yet. And they're like, what? (laughs) It's more of like a dream. And I go, yeah. So then my friends started laughing at me. But my wife, my wife had seen me reinvent my life uh, and my career multiple times very successfully. So my wife goes, hey, listen, if it's a... If it's a TV show that you want, I know you're going to get it. You know, I just know you. And uh, nine months later, I was starring on True TV uh, and I made six seasons on True TV. Uh, then the show started airing worldwide on Discovery Channel uh, in 127 countries. The American version took off in the UK on Dave. Uh, oh. Viewers that found it really loved it. And so after the American version got uh, canceled, I, uh, I ended up uh, going and meeting with the uh, the heads of UKTB who run, Dave, and uh, worked out a deal where my wife and I would move to London and make the British version. So we made Storage Hunters UK. And then after that, uh, we created uh, Celebrity Storage Hunters where we had amazing uh, British celebs come on and bid on units and give their profits to charity. We had all kinds of cool celebs come on the show. Wow. And and literally for a, a total between the U.S. and the British version for a total of 12 seasons, I spent several years on television living my dream. And um, so so let me so that's how it all happened. And I'll tell you how I came up with the show idea. I told everyone at that birthday party, uh, hey, listen, um Uh, This is what I'm going to do. Right. And then uh, two days later, I was doing a charity auction because I had been doing charity fundraising auctions for nonprofits. So I do a charity auction and uh in la jolla california and this guy walks up to me and he goes hey dude he's like uh he's like you should come do my uh my storage auction you're a great auctioneer and it turns out that his brother who owned the storage facility was an advertiser at the magazine where i that or the newspaper where i was selling advertising so i kind so i kind of knew his brother a little bit i said i go what's a storage auction and he goes because there was no tv shows It, it didn't exist and uh, he, I go, what's the storage auction? He goes, well, people don't pay their bills and we, we're allowed to auction their stuff off. And I go, wow, when's the next one? He goes, Tuesday. So... So Tuesday, I go to the auction, I look around, I see people buying these storage units for like 25, 30 bucks. There's wow. only about, there's less than 30 people at this thing. But I look at this thing and I go, this is it. That's my TV show. I'm going to be that auctioneer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make fun of all the bidders. I'm going to give them nicknames. I'm going to encourage them to, to fight and punch each other. It's going <laughs> to be like, it's going to be like the, you know, Jerry Springer or you guys call it uh, Kyle, what's it? What a Jeremy Kyle. Big. Yeah, Jeremy Kyle. I'm going to be the Jeremy... I'm going to be the Jeremy Kyle... Meets antiques roadshow meets WWF. <laughs> and um, and so uh, so I, I went into the office and I said, Hey, can I can I do your next auction? And and I'd like to film it. And they're like, Well, um, you know, so I end up convincing these guys. I said, Okay, dude, but you you know, you better not suck. So <laughs> I went out and I talked to the bidders. I'm like, where do you guys sell this stuff? And they're like, Oh, we sell it at the swap meets. So for the next five weekends, every Saturday, every Sunday, I went to all the swap meets, which is kind of like the car boot sales in the UK. And I just had a a, a notepad and I said, hey, I'm going to have a huge auction. Do you want to give me your phone number and your email address? Do you want to be invited? I signed up 2,000 people over over like probably about five weekends. And then uh, I promoted the hell out of my first auction. I hired a guy who I'd met was a wedding uh, videographer. He would like videotape wedding. I hired him to come film it. And uh, my very first auction, I had 800 people show up. It was a madhouse. And we filmed it, and then that I took that reel, which was about three and a half minutes long. I called in sick to my work, and I said, hey, uh, I, need the ne- I need the next three days off. I need to take three vacation days. I sat down at my house. I Googled every television network's phone number in America, and I called every single one of them, and every single one of them hung up on me. And then I called them all again, and they all hung up on me again. But slowly, <laughs> no. I kept learning, like, I would learn little words like um they would say, Oh, our development department doesn't take unsolicited calls. So I quickly write down development department. Cause I was like, Oh, I guess I gotta talk to development, you know? <laughs> and slowly I would get past the gatekeeper. So finally I got past one gatekeeper at NBC and then this and this lady at head of development, she goes, dude, you can't tell me your idea, I'll get sued. Like we're not allowed to just take unsolicited ideas. She goes, You need an agent. I go, Oh, okay. I go, like, like, where do you find them? She goes, What? She goes, You don't even know the agencies. So then she gave me the names of some of the big agencies. I got hung up by all the agencies. Then someone at one of the agencies says, "Well, you should just work with a production company." So then I call all the production companies, yeah. and none of none of them would return my calls. And the long and story long long and short of the story is this: I never gave up. I got rejected mm-hmm. by every television that worked twice. I got rejected by all the all the um, agencies. I got rejected by all the all the production companies. Um, And then what I finally did was I took my video, I bought a, I bought a, uh, a domain name. I put it, I put only thing I put on the website was just my video. And it said, here's your next hit television show. I bought Google AdWords. And I bought 80 searched words and, and phrases that I thought maybe someone looking for a new TV show at a production company might type into Google. I targeted them all towards Santa Monica where all the production companies are in California. And three weeks later, I get this call from this guy and he's like, hey, is this Sean Kelly? And I go, yeah. He goes, dude, he goes, we saw your video. We think it might make a good TV show. Go, That's why I made it. He goes, well, listen, we're not a production company. He goes, we're a, uh, we're a motion graphics company, but the owner of our company, was at the dog park yesterday, met this woman who owns a production company who said we can come pitch show ideas to her. We found your video. We wanna pitch your idea to her. Do you wanna partner with us? I said, hell yeah. So I go to LA, meet these guys. We go meet this woman. And um, a few months later, I'm starring on True TV. But wow. again, it wasn't that simple because the first pilot that we made, um, the, the company that they hired to make it, the guys who were in charge of it, they kept telling me, they're like, hey. Quit joking around don't be so don't give people nicknames hey don't don't be so don't, like tame your energy down so I kept like taking their advice and then the network saw the, the 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 pilot we shot they're like well this sucks what happened to the guy that was all explosive and I'm like I'm like, are you guys not talking to each other? Mm-hmm. So they were gonna cancel it right after that. They weren't even gonna air the pilot. So then I went back to them and I said, "Look, I'll do this for free if you let me just be myself." So we refilmed it. I was my crazy self, and they aired that, and it was the highest-rated show in the history of True TV. And they ended up buying two seasons right after that night, like the very next day. And that's wow. that's how that was my origin story, and that's how it all happened, and that's why the thing I'm doing now Toby, Toby is I'm I'm basically trying to pay it forward and I've created this thing called do the big dream for people that they've got a big gigantic dream and they don't know the first step of how to get it accomplished and so I created this website it's called do the big and then when you go there <clears throat> really it just kind of tells my story but then what it does it links to a private Facebook group that you could join for free and um, and then I'm, I'm kicking that thing off next month so what I'm going to be doing in there I think we got about 140 Forty some members in there now, but what I'm going to be doing is uh, figuring out what people's big dreams are and then teaching them the skills that I think that they need based off of my own experience. And and so I'm going to teach them pillar skills and then I'm going to teach them a um, 15-step formula that I always follow when I want to accomplish something new. And my goal is to try to like help as many people accomplish their crazy dreams as possible Uh, And maybe someday I'll I'll collect all those stories of the people that I've helped and I'll uh, write a book because I have a friend, uh, Toby, who's um, who's the famous actor in America. You you guys probably you probably know him in the UK. Um, He came to me when he was a senior in college and he came to my comedy club that I was running in San Diego and he was looking for stage time. And he said, hey, could I go up and audition for you? I said, sure, dude. So he goes up and his comedy wasn't very good at the time. It actually was pretty bad. But he he had something very interesting about him. He was this young Chinese guy who um, who spoke like he was African American. So I sat down and I said, "Dude, I go sit at the table. I go just tell me your story. Like 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 you know who who are you? Where are you from? Like what? Why do you talk the way you talk?" So he told me he's like he goes, "Well, I moved to America when I was 13. I didn't speak English. I came here from Hong Kong." And he goes, and I started watching Yo MTV Raps and Rap City every every day all day long. I go, oh okay. I go, that's how you learned English. He goes, yeah. And I go, well, that's hilarious. I go, if you'll go on stage and talk about your origin story and talk about that. I go, instead of just doing stupid masturbation jokes, I said, if you'll do that, dude, I'll give you all the stage time you want. And I go, and eventually you craft that story. You could write a book about your life. You could do talks. You could move to LA, get on TV shows, possibly do movies. I go, you have a big, bright future ahead of you. And I said, I'm happy to help you with that. So anyway, the long story short is uh, his name is Jimmy O. and Jimmy's got two stand up specials on Amazon. He was in the movie Crazy Rich Asians. He was in the movies. Uh, he's been in like, you know, tons of movies. He has a he has a movie that he stars on 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 uh, Netflix called Love Hard. He's um, was on the TV show Silicon Valley Space Force. Uh, he's, you know, so basically his career has really taken off. And he gave a talk at Google in front of all the Google employees called a Google Talk. And it was, he had just published his book that I told him that he would write eventually. And it's called, uh, it's called How to American, An Immigrant's Guide to Disappointing Your Parents. He was <laughs> at Google, given the talk, it's a hilarious book. And the interviewer says, Hey, in your in the chapter called The Godfather, she goes, Who's this guy? Sean Kelly. And he goes, he goes, Oh, Sean Kelly. He goes, Sean Kelly was my mentor. He goes, he was this brilliant business guy, stand up comedian who who really mentored me through the early stages of my career. he was the one that when he goes, I was working in a strip club as a DJ. And he goes, he's the one that called me up and said, dude, quit that job immediately. You know, or otherwise, don't ever call me again, because he goes, he said, he goes, you've got too much talent. And he goes, he goes, and I don't want to see bad things happen to you. And he goes, so he goes, Sean's the one that, you know, encouraged me to move to L.A. And he goes, and he's the one that sat down with me and said, don't do stupid masturbation jokes. Talk about your life. And he goes, and he goes, someday you can write a book and someday you can give talks. And then he goes, look, look at me. And everybody in the Google audience starts laughing. Well, after that, uh, Toby, I started getting uh, emails from strangers saying, hey dude, uh, what's this thing that you taught Jimmy? What's this formula, you know? And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at in my life is that I realized that, okay, um, I helped Jimmy. I helped like a handful of other close friends with some tremendous success. And I thought, this is pretty amazing. So that's why I'm doing Do the Big Dream. uh, And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we'll get a bunch of people that will go through. We'll have a bunch of great success stories. And maybe someday uh, I'll be able to publish a book talking about all the successful people and their incredible dreams and what they did. Absolutely.
0: Uh, And Do The Big Dream, you know, focuses on coaching people to achieve their big lifelong dreams. So what are some of the key principles from the formula for achieving people's dreams?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Toby, because, um, so first of all, I'd like to just tell you, uh, my, my own story and and how, and why these things are important. Right. I'll tell you a little bit about my background. So we moved to Germany when I was uh, 10 years old and, uh, my father was a life insurance salesman. He he sold life insurance to American GI station in Germany, but we went there when I was 10 on a three month tourist visa and we stayed for many years as illegal aliens (laughs) and, um, So I grew up in Germany as an illegal alien. And when I was 11 years old, uh, my dad came to me and said that he he really needed my help because he wasn't allowed to go into the Army housing areas and knock on the apartment doors to try to solicit insurance. But he thought that his 11-year-old kid could do it and get away with it and go get lead cards filled out for him. And that's what I ended up doing. And I'll tell you that story if you want to hear it. But but more importantly, what, what I learned from doing that was I learned how to overcome the fear of rejection. So overcoming the in the in the story and how, what I learned and how I learned it is extremely powerful. And so that is one of the things that I teach people is that when you have to be able to eliminate the fear of rejection, I literally have no fear of rejection. I, I call it my superpower I'm, because I don't I don't view what most people view as rejection. I don't view it as rejection. I, I view it as a learning opportunity. And when I'm learning something new, endorphins are being released in my brain and it feels good. And I know that I'm getting closer to achieving my ultimate goal. And I'll tell you the story because it's a pretty powerful one, but I'll, have, I'll circle back to it. So that's the first thing because I teach people how to basically overcome their fear of rejection and to make it work for them. And then the second thing I do is I teach people how to have a sincere level of confidence and I tell them uh, a lesson that I learned from an Olympic gold medalist in Switzerland when I was 15 years old a conversation that I had with with an American gold medalist and uh and it changed my life and it and it really made me uh, realize where that confidence comes from and how to build it and use it going forward and then the third thing that i teach people as a foundation pillar skill is I teach people how to sell because i because I, no matter what it is you want to do in life you have to be able to sell other people on your ideas or your dreams, or you have to convince people to go along and help you or to or to open doors to get to where you want to go in life. So you need to know to know how to sell. So I teach people the five basic steps of selling, which is, you know, uh, which is build rapport, identify needs, present your service, overcome objections, and kind of close the sale or get the deal. So I so those are my three pillar skills that I teach people initially, which is how to how to get rid of fear, how to have a sincere confidence, and how to sell. Then once you learn those three things and you've got them mastered, then we then we go forward into a 15-step formula that I've created. Now, this 15-step formula, I did it, it's not like I just bought this formula up. What I did is I went over through my life and I thought, wow, at one point in my life, I went from I went from where I had been abandoned by my parents at 16 and I was living on my own driving a forklift at night, trying to finish high school, living on my own as, a, as an illegal alien in Germany, to where I was working in Italy as an undercover store detective, catching shoplifters, to where I was in the military, working for military intelligence with a top secret clearance, doing a combat tour in Iraq to where I was managing a an apartment magazine in Tucson Arizona and launched magazines all across the United States to the point where I was managing the fifth largest weekly newspaper in the US to where I was a stand-up comedian to where I was an auctioneer raising hundreds of millions of dollars for nonprofits to where I was a television host when I did all of these different things in my life, I went back and I thought, okay, what what, what were the lessons? What were the things that I would do? How would I do it? And I broke down the steps of how I would do each of these things. And I so I came up with the fifteen steps that I always follow, so if there's something new and gigantic that I want to accomplish, I go through these fifteen steps. The fifteen steps are kind of big and comprehensive, so instead of like covering them all here, if someone wants to come work with me, the Facebook group is free, come join in, come learn. but I will. I'll give you the I'll give you the first couple steps. So after you've mastered those pillar skills and you and you basically have no fear of rejection, you have a sincere, authentic uh self-confidence, and you are able to sell anyone anything at any time. Once you can do those three things, then the, the first step that I teach you in the formula is uh visualization. It all starts with you being able to see the dream that you want. And it can be crazy, it could be audacious, it could be, it could be something that seems impossible, it could be as crazy as a guy 40 years old with no show business experience telling all his friends and family without even a show idea hey i'm going to have an international television show you know it's going to be a worldwide hit it could be that crazy and then and then so you have to start with the visualization you have to see it then the next step is you have to you have to sell yourself so the most important sales call you're ever going to learn and you're ever going to go on when you learn how to sell is the first sales call the first sales call is you're going to sell yourself And then you're going to believe with all your heart beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is something you can accomplish. And then once you can see it and once you believe it, then you're going to write it down. So those are basically and you're going to write it down in extreme detail. So those are the first three of the 15 steps. And um, and so, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. And I'm I'm excited about it because I have friends who've come to me who've said like um, I had a friend come to me once uh toby and he said he goes hey listen he goes sean he goes um he and i were doing stand-up comedy together comedy was his hobby but his day job was he was working as an auto mechanic and he came to me and he goes dude he goes you know here living here in san diego is where i lived at the time he goes it's so so darn expensive and he goes he goes i'm only making like forty three thousand a year as a mechanic and he goes and he goes my wife's cutting hair and we're doing everything we can to do side hustles but he goes he goes, I'm falling behind every month. He goes, uh, he goes, I can barely make my mortgage payment. He goes, you know, trying to, you know, put, feed the two girls and, and, and give them clothing. And he goes, he goes, everything. He goes, he goes it's crazy because I don't know what I'm going to do. He goes, he goes, you've had so much success. He goes, if you were in my shoes, what, what would you do? And I said, well, Scott, I go, listen, man, I go, um, I go, you're a mechanic. I go, and you do stand up comedy. So you have no fear of public speaking, which is huge. Um, I go, as a mechanic, is there a product that you use that you absolutely think is amazing that you would recommend to your clients whose cars you're fixing? And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, there's this transmission plush. It's called 44K. And he goes, you basically flush your engine, your transmission with it. And he goes, it gives you better gas mileage. He goes, the car breaks down less. And he goes, and if your engine were to ever blow up, he goes, if you're a 44K uh, customer, he goes, they'll give you a brand new engine for free. He goes, that's how much of a guarantee they give you. He goes, I love this product. He goes, I try to recommend it to everyone who listened to me? I said, okay, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick up the phone tomorrow. I want you to call that company. I want you to speak to the owner of the company. I want you to tell him that you're a mechanic and you've got some feedback for him and you want, so get past the gatekeeper that way. And then he'll get on the phone with you. When you get him on the phone, I want you to tell him what an amazing, huge fan you are of his product, how much you love it, how much you recommend it to all your clients. I want you to tell him that you're a stand up comedian, that you get up in front of big audiences, you're not afraid of public speaking, and that you only want. One thing in life, and that is to come to work for him and sell his product. And he goes, What? He goes, uh, he goes, I, I, don't, I, goes I, don't, I don't he goes, I don't I don't I don't know if I could sell. I go, dude, I go, like I can teach you to sell in, in, in an hour. I go, just just do that, and this guy's gonna offer you a job and it's gonna change your life. So the next day he makes the phone call to his credit because that's the other thing, you got to take the action. You know, you can give people great ideas, but they don't take the action. Next day he calls the guy up. Guy gives him a job. To this day, Scott now runs the entire west coast of the United States for that company. He oversees California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Arizona, and he makes over $500,000 a year doing it. His complete life has changed. He travels the world. He owns a big, beautiful home. He drives nice cars. And I always get texts and things from him where he'll like share incredible life moments with me he's like dude I'm doing this and it's only because of you you know and it feels awesome
0: absolutely and you yourself have had an incredible and diverse uh, career journey Um, you know you've served in the army and worked in uh, advertising sales so how did your early and life and just life experiences in general shape your approach to challenges and opportunities.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because that'll lead back to those other two stories I told you about earlier, because mm. uh, so, so again, I feel like, uh, I feel like my superpower is the, is being able to like not have any
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Fear of rejection and just eliminate fear altogether um, because that's what holds 99.9% of people back from, from realizing their true life's purpose and really accomplishing what they were you know placed here on earth to do. And it's And it's this fear that people have. And that fear is real, man. It's not, I mean, it's nothing to joke about. I mean, it's its a its a real thing. But I want to tell you and share with your listeners um, what I teach people. And, and it's through my own personal life experience. And it happened when I was 11. So when I was 11 and my dad decided that he wanted me to go door to door and get lead cards filled out for him so he could go back and try to sell life insurance to these people. The very first day he drove me into the housing area. And this wasn't allowed. It was like co- completely against the rules. So he drives me into the u uh, s. Army housing area in Hanau, Germany, right across from an army base called a Pioneer Caser. And so he drives me into the housing area and he says, he goes, "I'll meet you right back here on this corner in uh, two hours. Go see how many cards you can get filled out." I did not want to do this. I was eleven years old. I was scared. I did not care. My dad told me that for each card I got filled out, he would pay me one dollar. But then if he went back and sold them life insurance, he would pay me an additional twenty-five dollars. I could care less. I didn't want I didn't care about the money. Uh, mm. all I all I cared about was this scared the hell out of me and I didn't want to do it. But my dad had said, the family's counting on you. We really need these leads. If I don't have these leads, I can't sell life insurance. If I can't sell life insurance, we can't get commission checks. I can't buy groceries. I mean a really heavy heavy load to place on an 11 year old. Right. Yeah. So I go in, I start knocking on doors. People are like, what the hell are you doing kid? And they're like, there's no soliciting. Go away. I don't have time for this. They're like slamming doors in my face. So a couple hours later, my dad meets me back in that corner and I'll never forget this. Cause my dad pulls up, he looks through the, he kind of leans forward uh, and he looks through the windshield of the car and he sees me and I'm just standing there like just crying, just bawling. Right. And, um, He has this look of disappointment on his face, so he just waves me back into the car with, like, one motion of his arm. So I get back in the car, and I knew he was upset because um, whenever he was, he would always refer to me by my middle name. So he goes, hey, Brandon. He goes, what's the problem, Brandon? And I go, oh, I go, it was horrible. I go, people yelled at me. They slammed the doors in my face. I hate this. I don't want to do this. I don't ever want to do this again. So my dad goes, oh, okay. So he turns the car around. He drives across the street to the Army base. We go onto the base. We go to the burger bar, and we sit down. He buys me a hamburger and a soda and some fries, and we're sitting there talking. And by this time, I've stopped crying. We're just kind of busy. My dad says to me, he goes, hey, he goes, Sean, he goes, did I ever tell you about this uh, this casino where you can go and you can place bets? And if you don't win the bet, you don't lose any money. But if you win the bet, you win money. I go, uh, no, because that doesn't exist. And my dad goes, no, no, it's a real place. He goes, it's a real casino. And he goes, and the crazy thing is, is that even kids can go to this casino. And I I go, now I know you're not telling the truth. I go, there's no casino that kids can go to. He goes, Sean, listen, I'm telling you, as your father, there is a casino that you can go to. Even kids can go there. You place a bet. And if you don't win the bet, you don't lose any money. But if you win the bet, he goes, you get paid. And I go, dad, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't everybody go there and just place bets? And uh, my dad goes, well, because, you know, people are are afraid. And I go, what are they afraid of? He goes, well, he goes, the, the rejection, like if you lose, it could be embarrassing. I go, it doesn't make any sense. Just keep placing bets till you win. And my dad goes, well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, he goes, that's the way I look at it. He goes, but that's, you know, he goes, most people are afraid to do it. And I go, like, well, that's just dumb. I go, I would just keep betting until I won because you know that's all that matters. My dad goes, Well, yeah, that's right. He goes, Do you want to go to this casino? And I go, I go, well, yeah, sure, let's go sometime. He goes, No, no, He goes, Do you want to go to the casino now and win some money? I go, Yeah, okay, I'd like to go to the casino and win some money. You mean right now? He goes, Yeah. So we walk out of the burger bar, we get in the car, we drive off the army base. And we were drive straight back over to the housing area. And I go, whoa, you're trying to trick me. What's going on? And I go, this is the housing area. My dad goes, no, son. He goes, this is the casino. He goes, every time you go in there and you knock on a door, you're placing a bet. And he goes, that bet is that you're going to get them to fill the lead card out. And he goes, and if you win your bet, you win a dollar. And he goes, and if I go back and sell them life insurance, you win another $25. He goes, but... If they don't if you don't win the bet, he goes, you lose nothing. you just go to the next door and you keep placing bets until you win. He goes, but here's the amazing secret in life. He goes, the better you get at what you say, you get to increase your odds of you winning the bet. He goes, so the better you get at it, the more bets you will win. And he goes, so do you want to go into the casino and give it a try? And I go, "Uh, okay, yeah. He goes, meet me back here in two hours. So I go into the housing area, start knocking on doors. Two hours later, my dad comes back to meet me on that same corner. This time he pulls up, he looks through the windshield, and I'm smiling like ear to ear He starts smiling. I get back in the car. He goes, so how did you do in the casino? And I reach into my bag and I pull out and I said, I won 27 bets. And I handed him 27 lead cards filled out. My dad goes, "My goes, oh, my God. He goes, how did you do it? How did you get 27 filled out? I said, well, I went to the very first one and I just told the lady, I just said, hey, you fill this out and you get all this free information, plus you get a free brass-plated social security card. Uh, Everyone in the building is gonna be doing it, so I assume you're gonna want one as well." And she said, well, of course I want one. And so she filled the card out. Then I went to her neighbors and I just said, "'Oh, hey, Sharon, right across the way here, just got this, and it's free, and I assume you're gonna want one as well." And the lady goes, well, of course I want one." And I said, and I just kept doing that throughout the whole building. And my dad goes, that's great. He goes, You 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 increased your odds by what you were saying. And what my dad didn't realize at the time, my dad must have you must have had to come up with that analogy in order to overcome his own fears of selling life insurance. Mm. But I think what my dad didn't realize at that time, which I learned later in life, is that the fear of rejection is actually hardwired in the in the portion of our brain where we feel physical pain. And it's it's a real thing. And the reason why it's there is because Mother Nature learned a long, long time ago, back when we were tribal, that like if this person does something stupid to piss off the tribe and gets kicked out, your chance of being eaten by a wild animal or killed by enemies is pretty darn high. So it's hardwired in this place that will kind of stop this person from taking too many risks and pissing off the rest of the tribe, right? Yeah. So it's hardwired in a place in your brain where you really like that fear rejection is real, and it really you feel it in your you feel it like you you physically feel it when when you and you start to tremor a little bit, but what what I also learned is that we have another section in our brain called the reward system where it releases endorphins. So. It uh, turns out humans, we love to learn things and we love to go for goals and we love to achieve goals. But it turns out that when you're going for a goal, when you actually accomplish the goal, that's not when the most endorphins are released. The most endorphins are released is as we're learning new things that are going to take us to accomplishing our goal. So as we learn the new steps that are getting us to our goal, that's when the endorphins are being released and it feels really good. So what I did was I moved I moved my from the fear rejection. I moved it over to the reward center. So now, whenever I want to do something new or learn something new, or I want to, I want to go try to accomplish something amazing that's going to require what, that's going to require me to go through what most people perceive a lot of rejection. Like the way every TV network rejected me twice, how every how every agency re- rejected me twice, how none of the production companies wanted to work with me, and they all rejected me. The difference is, is that I I just learned as I as I went along, and it and it and it didn't feel bad. It felt good, and I knew that I was getting closer and closer to my goal, and um, so I had no idea when I announced at the birthday party how in the world I was going to ever have a TV show. But I did it, and then I went out and I figured out how to do it. And the the secret here is is not it's not the rejection it's the secret is is that lots of rejection as fast as possible learn as much as you can as quick as you can and keep taking action until you achieve your goal so the fact that i started off with like not knowing anything about show business and then nine months later i'm starring on tv and then a few years later i'm starring on a on a show in the uk it was all because of my belief that that I that I have no fear of rejection instead i view it all as a learning opportunity so that's the one story from my childhood and that that was that experience that i had with my dad when i was 11 was life changing and then and then i had another experience when i was 15 see toby when i was a kid growing up my dad because he was a life insurance salesman he sold on commission uh, sometimes we had paychecks and sometimes we didn't have paychecks. Mm. So there was it was feast or famine. Sometimes we had plenty of money and then sometimes our electricity would get shut off or sometimes our water would get shut off or sometimes we get eviction notices or sometimes the car would get repossessed. So I was one of these kids. I had always wanted to be on the ski team and, and the town that I lived in had a ski team, a race team. But uh, I couldn't afford to be on the team. You know, we couldn't afford like the nice shiny skis. I couldn't afford the aerodynamic suit. Couldn't afford any of that stuff. But they had room for one kid to be on a scholarship. And I I qualified for that scholarship. But when I was on the team, I had rental boots, rental skis. I had rental poles. I had... I had, you know, I skied in sweats with an oversized jacket. I had no, I I had, I had no misconception that I would ever win a race. I was just thrilled to be on the team because I got to go skiing on the weekends with all these cool guys and just being a part of it was awesome. But I, the other kids had aerodynamic suits, state-of-the-art skis. They got to go to private clinics. They got one-on-one coaching. I got none of that. So one time when I was 15, 1980, 1985, uh, we're living in Germany. My church youth group went on a ski trip to Switzerland and it was two hours from where I lived. It was in Switzerland. We go there and all the kids in my youth group, none of them could ski, so they were all taking lessons. I was the only one who was on the ski team. So I was a good skier. So I was off like skiing the black diamonds, the difficult runs, had my headphones on. I'm listening to like Van Halen. I'm flying down this mountain, this black run as fast as you, I mean, just like a bat out of hell. And at one point, I whiz past this other dude. I he didn't even register with me. I just went flying past him. I get to the bottom of the hill. I'm leaning over my poles, catching my breath before I get on the chairlift, and I start hearing someone screaming at me. So I take my headphones off and I turn around. This guy goes, "Hey, hey, hey you." And I go, "Me?" I go, "Did I do something wrong?" And the guy goes, "Oh, you're American." And I go, "I go, yeah." And he goes, "Oh, where are you from?" And I go, "I live in Germany." He goes, "You live in Germany?" he goes uh he goes why do you live in germany i said um, and it's a long story i go but i live in germany and he goes okay uh he goes um he goes are you are you here for the laberhorn and i go i go no dude i don't even know what the laberhorn is and he goes he goes oh he goes uh he goes you he goes dude um he goes you should race he goes you're good you should race i go oh yeah i go i do race he goes oh you race he goes that makes sense he goes how many races have you won and I go, oh, well, I, I'm running, I want any races, man? I go, I got these rental skis and rental poles and you know, I got these, you know, like ski in my sweats and jacket. The other kids got aerodynamic suits and the best skis and da, 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 da. This guy goes, Hey, Hey, he goes, he goes, dude. he goes, dude, he goes, dude, he goes, be quiet. I go, what? He goes, just shut up. Stop talking. I go, Whoa. I go, what? He goes, get on the chairlift with me. He goes, I want to tell you something. So we get on the chairlift and it was a long ride. And he goes, he goes, Hey man, he goes, have you ever heard of uh, Billy the kid? And I go, Oh yeah. The cowboy. And he goes, no, man. He goes, let me ask you something. He goes in night. Nine- he goes last year. He goes, that would have been 1984. He goes. Last year, he goes, Did you watch the Winter Olympics in Sarajevo? I said, Yeah, man. I go, I did. I go, An American finally won the, the gold medal in the downhill. He goes, Yes. He goes, Bill Johnson. I go, Yeah, Bill Johnson. I go, He won. He goes, Yeah. He goes, That's me. He goes, I'm Billy the kid. I'm Bill Johnson. I go, Oh my God, you wow. are Bill Johnson. He goes, Yeah, kid. I'm Bill Johnson. He goes, I want to tell you something. He goes, I didn't ski up to you because I wanted to befriend you. He goes, I don't need any more friends. He goes, I saw you flying down that mountain. And he goes, and I thought to myself, holy hell, I got to race this guy in the World Cup tomorrow. He goes, in the Labyrinth, And he goes, I wanted to get in your head and mess with you. I go, really? He goes, yes. He goes, you're that good. He goes, here's what you need to do. He goes, immediately, he goes, I want you to stop telling yourself all the reasons why you cannot win. And he goes, instead, he goes, I need you to sell yourself on all the reasons why you can't lose, why you have no, you have nothing to lose and all the reasons why you can win. He goes, because here's the secret, man, what you sell yourself on is what you will buy. And what you buy is what you will project to the rest of the world and that they will buy from you. And he goes, and they'll believe that you're a winner. You have to first sell yourself. So he goes, so so he goes, listen to me carefully. What you sell to yourself is what you will buy. And what you buy is what you will project. And what you project is what other people will buy about you. I go, wow, pretty amazing. So we get off the chairlift. He skis to the right. I ski to the left. I never see this guy ever again. Three months later in Garmisch, Germany, in the European junior men's division, I win two gold medals. After that, my coach buys me an aerodynamic suit. He buys me brand new skis. I get sponsored by Kodak. I'm on a billboard. I mean, everything changed. And I realized, wow, this guy gave me the secret to finding that sincere confidence. Now, of course, the first step to sincere confidence is you have to sell yourself and you have to believe it and project that you're going to win and that you're going to do whatever you say you're going to do. And then you have to just go out and do it. And then once you have some actual successes under your belt that confidence just continues to build. So those are the two core stories of of what I learned at a young age. The one of how to overcome the fear of rejection. The other one, how to build a sincere confidence. And then I think by just being around my dad and learning sales as a kid, see, German school gets out at one o'clock. So my dad would pick me up at like, uh, right after school, and we would drive to Hanau, which is a 45-minute drive for where we lived. And Hanau is where all the Americans were in the housing area. So in the car, we would listen to cassette tapes from this like sales trainer. His name was Zig Ziglar. And I would just listen to hours of Zig Ziglar every day when I was a kid, like when I was 11, 12, 13. And he had all these really positive messages and all these like stories and analogies that he would tell of all these different sales things that he had learned and so i got this awesome foundation of no fear of rejection sincere self-confidence and and knowing how to sell and that has propelled me through life, and it's been wonderful. And so, even though um, even though at 16 I got abandoned by my parents, my dad met this young young woman, and he moved to Berlin and lived with her. And my mom moved off to live with her boyfriend. At 16, I had to get my own apartment, and I got a job driving a forklift at night on a uh, on an army base in Germany. And then during the day, I finished going to high school. It was tough; it was really hard. But I had been given this incredible foundation. Um, that, that carried me through. So instead of turning to things like drugs and alcohol or trying to turn to self-pity, uh, I was equipped with what I needed to know to one, deal with with rejection <laughs> and two, how to have a sincere confidence and three, how to go out and sell myself and get things done. And I, not only did I survive, but I was a th- I thrived, you know. And and has it been easy? No. But has it been an amazing ride? Yes. Would I do it all over again in a minute? Uh, so anyway, so that's kind of that's kind of uh, that's kind of my story there. My you know, the, the the origin story. Absolutely.
0: Well, what are you working on at the moment? Are there any more projects coming up?
1: You mean television wise?
0: And um, well, television-wise, or um, you know, do the big dream, or you know, anything yeah. really.
1: Yeah. So there, yeah, so I have, a, I have a few things kind of going on in my life right now. I'm excited about one is um, uh, do the big dream. It's it's really taking center stage. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to be launching the private Facebook group in February, probably mid February, and then uh, I'm going to I'm going to just with everyone that's in there, I'm going to go in and just start teaching them everything that I know to try to get them launched, and then I'm going to just uh, stay just continue to kind of keep coaching them until we start getting some results and people start coming back and going, dude, I did it. I did the impossible, you know? And so that's exciting. So I'm doing that. Um, the other thing that I'm that I'm working on is um, I've created uh, and I can't really tell you what it's about, but I've created a pitch reel for a new television show, and um, I really have a feeling that this one's going to get made. So there might be uh, there might be a real strong possibility that I wind up back on television again, mm-hmm. and this this TV show uh, will have like I believe will have like a really awesome impact on the world, like in a really good way. But it'll also be a lot of fun to watch. So I got that going on and I think we're going to get out and start pitching that probably in March. So fingers crossed on that. Hopefully a network is smart enough to pick it up because everyone, all my friends that are in in tele that I've uh, shared the idea with, they've all just said, oh man, that's, that's a no brainer that, that you're going to get that sold. So, so hopefully that gets made because I'll tell you uh, the best experience of the whole storage hunters experience was moving to the UK and making the British version. And there's a part of me where my wife and I would really like to do that again. We would like to have another another shot at that. We'd like to mm-hmm. create another TV show that becomes another worldwide hit and where I get to move to the UK and do the show there. Because the four years we lived in London and traveled the UK were Four of the best years of our 32-year marriage. It's just, It was just incredible. We met so many awesome people. Uh, I got to appear at Comic-Cons all across the UK, and I would wow. meet all the fans. And then I did a stand-up comedy tour across the UK. I started off uh, in 2000, August 2017. I did 50 shows at the Fringe Festival and i did two shows a day for for 25 days in a row and then i went out and i did a comedy tour across the uk and what i would do is because i, I love my i love meeting people and fans and I love like um, I love like hearing stories because people will share stories with me like, oh, you know, you know, uh, my nan was sick and uh, and sh- and she couldn't leave the bedroom and she would watch, you know, reruns on Dave of of Storage Hunters. And she just loved it and it made her so happy. And it was so cool to w-. like just thousands of different stories like that. Right. Yeah. So um, for me. Oh, so what I would do is during my comedy tour, after I would go up and do a 90-minute stand-up show, right? My show was – my stand-up was like an hour, and then I would do a half an hour of like a charity auction where I would encourage the audience to bring like an old cheeky item from home, and then we would auction it off. And I gave all the money to, hope, uh, to Help for Heroes, and so we raised thousands of pounds for Help for Heroes, which was really awesome because I'm a disabled combat vet, and so I have a, a place to my for veterans, disabled vets. So that that then then after every one of those shows, I would stand in the lobby and I would shake hands and meet all my fans and take pictures with them. And sometimes that would take three or four hours. It would be longer than the show. Just to, anyone that wanted to meet me, I would meet them. Well, I got to tell you, I met so many incredible people in the UK. I met so many people that were just genuinely happy to meet me, and it was great. So. I would love nothing more than to create another TV show and then find myself living back in the UK making a British version again. It would be like getting a second shot at the, at the at the first uh dream that came true, you know? So, it'd be fun. Absolutely. Well, where are we able to keep up to
0: date with you everywhere?
1: Yeah, so one of the things I recommend everyone do is go is go to this website, it's do the big Go there and then just click on the link and that'll take you uh, over to the Facebook group, join the Facebook group, get in there. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And just see if this stuff is for you. Like if you have a big dream, um, just something that like, that you're like, you've always kind of wanted to do, but you, you're almost even afraid to admit it to yourself. And you definitely would be scared to admit it to other people, but it's just something that you, that's always kind of nagged at you your whole life. And you don't want your life to pass you by without you actually taking a good, strong swing at it then this group is probably for you. And so come come to do the com, Um or you could just go straight to the Facebook group if you want. So if you just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash do the big dream and then answer the questions, join the private group. And like I said, I'm gonna launch that mid-February. Um the other thing I'm on social media, I'm on like a, I'm on I'm on Twitter, it's a, at Sean Kelly Comedy. I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook. There's a face. My Facebook, my personal Facebook pages. Uh, I can't accept any more friends because it's like at the five thousand limit. They limit oh, wow. you five thousand. But I have a fan page on there, and you can go there. And I believe that's also Sean Kelly comedy. But you go to my fan page. I think I got about eleven thousand followers or something on there right now. But just go on there and and because I'm going to be posting everything about the du- the uh, doing the big dream on there. Um, so yeah, that's how you do it. And I mean, Toby, listen i appreciate you uh reaching out to me and letting me come on and share my story with your audience you know um and and and, you know i'm trying to i'm trying to pay forward. i'm trying to put a positive uh message out into the world because there's a lot of negativity right now and i want people to know that regardless of your background regardless of what you have or have never accomplished in your life that you know there there are steps and formulas that you can learn that could lead to you having a great life absolutely
0: well it's been a pleasure to have you
1: on the show today and have a great day thank you thanks so much toby take care buddy
0: Luxury quality within reach, go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey, hey The throbbing post of sound. The Toby Gribbon Show.